0: Making healthcare great again on this healthcare edition of Industry Focus. It's Wednesday, February 24th, 2016. Healthcare analyst Christine Harges here with your favorite healthcare guru, Todd Campbell, via Skype. Hi, Todd. How's your week going? You mentioned your hard drive crashed, which definitely isn't good news.
1: Yeah, Christine, woo! I tell you, you hate to wake up in the morning and look at the computer and see that ominous message on your screen, but I think I think we'll I think we'll be all right.
0: Yeah, that is good to hear that you've recovered a little bit, but oh man, <laughs> that's no good. So, hopefully uh, you still were able to get in the mood and the swing of things uh, for the episode today. We have a ton to talk about um, as you might have picked up from the intro to the episode. We're talking a little bit about politics. You also would know this if you follow us on Twitter. Uh, We've started getting a little more active on there. Our handle is MFIndustryFocus, if you want to find us on Twitter. Um, So, yeah, we're talking politics, which The Motley Fool is not a politically... Affiliated organization, but I feel like I should put it out there anyway that Todd and I are only human, so we could have our own opinions. We're going to try not to let them, you know, contaminate what we're saying here. Um, But we just want to lay out kind of with the current presidential landscape who is saying what and maybe some of the implications. So let's start with the most radical first Bernie Sanders. What do you say? (laughs)
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought that probably good to go through some of the, uh, I guess, the the front runners and discuss, you know, what their plans are. Um, and, you know, as an investing podcast, always helpful to, to maybe have a couple investing takeaways here, we can talk about it as well. Sounds great. And, yeah. And, and like you said, Bernie's as good a place to start as any because you know you you, you said that you know it's probably the most radical approach and and you're right I mean it you know what what Sanders is proposing is to absolutely take everything throw it in the trash bin and have the trash truck haul it away um, you know he he wants to uh, get rid of Obamacare uh, he wants to um, toss aside employer sponsored health care insurance. Uh, and replace it with Medicare for All. So basically take the Medicare program that is currently in place for uh, people above 65 in the country and roll it out to everyone.
0: So the big question there, how is that sponsored? Who's going to pay for this plan? It's, a, it's an
1: expensive plan. I mean, you can't, you know, insure 300 million people and have it not cost you a pretty penny. Are there any uh, estimates
0: out there on how much this could cost? I mean, how he do you even come up with
1: 1.4 billion is what the estimate is. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you always, in any presidential candidate uh, uh, during election season, you always have to take any numbers that get tossed around with a very big grain of salt. Um, but the number that he's tossing around is 1.4 uh, trillion. Sorry, I don't know if I said billion earlier. Trillion. 1.4 trillion. Um, and that would be paid for by um, taxation. So, you know, you increase the tax revenues by. Uh, instituting a brand-new employer uh, tax um, that would be paid on wages earned by an employee, and that would be about 6.2%. Uh, individual uh, taxpayers would be on the hook for a 2.2% um, tax. There's some other tax changes as well, but those are the two biggies that would you know, generate the, the bulk of, of the revenue necessary to pay for this Medicare-for-all proposal.
0: It is kind of interesting that there are specific numbers being thrown out there. I mean, I would think this kind of thing is really tremendously difficult to estimate.
1: You're very, very hard. I mean, you've got a lot of people still that aren't covered by insurance, even with the advent of, of Obamacare. Um, you don't know what their utilization would be. You, you've seen what's happened with the uh, institution of Obamacare and the um, the fact that these insurers that that are offering plans through the exchanges, you know, report they're not making any money on them uh, because utilization of healthcare services uh, from those patients is higher than predicted. Um, so we don't know how this is all going to shake out. I, I think that you know the the Sanders campaign is out there saying that if you earn you know say fifty thousand bucks a year, uh, two point two percent tax means you're not going to be on the hook for nearly as much money as you'd have to pay for um, insurance out of pocket under the current schemes. You know, even with uh, subsidies picking up, you know, 80, 90 percent of the cost of health insurance. You know, the average person participating in the exchanges is still paying, like I think it's like 80 or 90 bucks a month uh, for their health insurance. And Sanders says that, you know, his plan would cost them about 500 a month. Um, you know, using that kind of math, it probably, I, I guess, you you could argue that, you know, the plan is best for low and and mid-income uh, or moderate-income Americans. Uh, probably more costly, obviously, for small business owners, um, depending on how they handle the accounting side of, you know, paying taxes on those wages rather than being able to write off the cost of, of paying for the health insurance for their employees.
0: Yeah, makes sense. So uh, let's take a look at the other Democratic candidate, Hillary Clinton. She seems to be the most supportive of Obamacare of any of the candidates.
1: Yeah, Lately, Hillary's uh, stance or campaign stump. Uh, speeches have have said, you know, before Obamacare, it was called Hillary Care. Uh, you know, so it's probably not too shocking uh, or surprising to to hear that she doesn't want to make uh, any changes to Obamacare other than not to not at um, all. No, other services.
0: than.
1: <laughs> Sorry, what was that? She doesn't want to. You know, Hillary's saying that she she doesn't want to change Obamacare. She wants to or get rid of Obamacare. She wants to just make some subtle changes on the on the periphery that would increase. Uh, the amount of care that's provided for free, um, you know, more preventative office visits. Um, and, and she's also said that she wants to cap uh, the amount that people would spend out of pocket for, for the medications at 250 bucks a month. So her plan is to take the existing Obamacare program and, uh, in her view, uh, improve it so that you know people get more value out of it and aren't getting hit as hard by the co-pays and the co-insurance that you know, the media reports a lot about.
0: Yeah, it does seem like when I hear about Hillary's plan and when I see her in the news regarding uh, healthcare, it's always about drug pricing and how much people are paying out of pocket, and that kind of makes me feel like maybe the pharmaceutical industry would most fear a Hillary presidency.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bernie has also come out with some some plans to try and rein in drug prices. I agree with you though that. Uh, Hillary has been more vocal about it. I mean, she really jumped on the bandwagon after the Turing Pharmaceutical uh, story broke last year about the uh, Martin Shichelli, uh hiking prices 5,000% on a long-standing drug. Um, you know, obviously, I, I, agree, I, I think that you're right that the uh, drug makers uh, w- would probably lose the most uh, under this scheme. Insurers would take a small hit because they'd have to provide more care, but they'd probably pass that along in the form of higher premiums. Um, and hospitals would probably be net neutral uh, under her scheme.
0: Interesting. So let's turn to the other side of the table and talk about some of our Republican candidates. Uh, what does Donald Trump want to do?
1: Well, you know, all of the Republican candidates have said that they want to repeal um, Obamacare, get rid of it. Which is um, not shocking. Yeah, that's, that's not a surprise. That's been their longstanding view. Uh, they want to go back to a more of a free market solution. Uh, Trump Hasn't gone into a tremendous amount of detail on what he would do. Um, in a 60 Minutes interview last fall, I encourage all the readers to, to Google that. Um, you can see the transcript of it. Uh, he indicated that he'd like to repeal it, calls it a catastrophe, a, a disaster, and then replace it with another program that basically tore down the um, you know imaginary lines that prevent insurers from competing across from state to state to state. Um, he also wanted to incorporate you know hospital care uh, to take care of those who don 't have insurance somehow, but he didn 't really go into a lot of detail of how he would fund it, what the cost would be, or what trump care could look like.
0: Talk to me a little bit about the interstate competition aspect of this
1: yeah, the way it works right now is that you know every state has their own insurance regulator, and every insurer that wants to participate within that state has to apply to that regulator and follow by the rules of each individual state. The argument is uh, against that would be that it, it prohibits um, larger uh, patient pools that could spread the risk about, across more people, and as a result, it inflates the cost um, of premiums to, to you know, consumers. Uh, so thereby, if you, you get rid of the those state law, you allow for the interstate comp- competition between insurers, you could get larger patient pools, um, and theoretically, uh, that would drive down premiums I'm not sure how that would address necessarily high risk pools, uh, people with existing conditions, that type of thing. Um, but, you know, not, that, that's the argument.
0: Okay. Is this something that we're seeing the other Republicans agreeing with?
1: Yeah, actually, if you look at Ted Cruz and Mark Rubio, two other, uh, we'll call them front runners on the Republican side, um, they all say similar things in that they want to get rid of Obamacare. We get rid of um, the restrictions that prevent um, competing across state lines for for pools. Um, there are some subtle differences, however, between Cruz and Rubio that you know, in, investors and 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 you know, Americans overall should probably be aware of. Um, Cruz definitely would appear to be more of a free market, uh, interested in a free market approach to uh, the health insurance industry. Uh, Rubio has suggested um, a refundable and advanceable tax credit that uh, people would be able to use to pay for their health insurance. Uh, you know, both candidates have said, "Hey, let's try and decouple insurance from employers so that you know you can move from job to job without worrying about losing your insurance." Um, Cruz hasn't said how he would do that, but Rubio has said that you know these tax credits could do that.
0: Are these tax credits kind of in the form of HSAs or is that what we're looking at? No, what he's
1: saying is that you know currently the way it is now is we have tax deductions that you can take uh, once the spending on medical uh, you know eclipses certain uh, levels of your adjusted gross income okay so that reduces, uh, your taxable income, but you know it doesn't have as big a hit as a tax a benefit as a tax credit would be, uh, which would actually reduces how much you owe in taxes dollar for dollar. And what he's saying is that it would actually provide a refundable uh, tax credit. So that would mean that theoretically you could get money in your pocket every year that you could use to help pay for your premiums. He also did say though that you could use that money uh, to establish HSAs if you wanted to. Uh, you can use it any way you want to help lower your healthcare costs.
0: Gotcha. So, looking at all these different plans, they're clearly very different from one another. As an investor, what do you do? Is there a way that you can play on any of these trends?
1: I think, from you know, in broad terms, yes. Um, I, I think that obviously. The drug makers would do best under the Republican proposals, in my view, because the Republicans haven't really come out with specific plans to rein in drug pricing. Um, I think insurers would probably be, you know, net neutral in a Republican situation because, you know, while they're not making money on Obamacare plans now, um, they all think that they eventually will, and that those margins will be about two to three percent. So theoretically, you can lose millions of of uh, of consumers that way. Um, I think overall, hospitals probably, you know, providers of healthcare services would do best under all of these plans because you know theoretically, the the more people who um, can get access to care, the better.
0: Yeah, I would expect some volatility though, at the least.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's we're already seeing that in um, healthcare stocks um, since last fall. Um, it could very well be that you know if you look at and this is something for investors to remember too. You know if you look at the the debate leading up to the elections uh, that preceded Obamacare, uh, healthcare stocks really got punished. Uh, there was a lot of misinformation and a lot of people worrying that the the healthcare sector would implode if something like this passed. That's that's not come to fruition. Healthcare was indeed one of the best performing baskets in in the market um, once Obamacare actually launched. So. Try not to make any short-term decisions based upon what these uh, presidential can- candidates are proposing. Um, you know, look at each individual stock as a business uh, first, and and then go from there.
0: So, speaking of thinking along the long-term investing mindset. I would love to direct our listeners to focus.fool.com, so the Motley Fool's flagship stock picking newsletter which very much emphasizes this sort of long-term mentality and investing and holding is called Stock Advisor. And since we love our podcast listeners so much, we are offering Stock Advisor 2-year subscriptions for $129 at that link, so focus.fool.com. Definitely check it out if you want to learn some more about the service. It really is a fantastic service and you'll find a lot of interesting healthcare companies within the service, as well as great picks from the rest of the investing universe. So um, we received a really interesting question uh, this past week from Christopher Andrews, who says that he's been a fool since 1998. He's listened to The Motley Fool in 15 to 20 different countries or territories. Uh, He says on multiple deployments and many more to come. Christopher, thank you for the question for writing in and thank you for your service. Christopher asked us about a company called Portola Pharmaceuticals, which, if you have listened closely to us, we have talked about Portola a little bit before. I think back in December, we talked about it on a different show, Market Foolery. Um, Todd, before I was even hosting the show, you did a show with Michael Douglas, our last host, about. Optitech in Portola. so This is a company that's very much on our mind. I'm personally quite bullish on it. But Christopher was basically asking. He opened up a little position in it and started researching and got more and more excited about what this company has to offer. So, Todd, what I'd love to have you address on the show is whether anything has changed since the last times that we've talked about this company and where the company looks to be going from here.
1: All right. Yes, things have indeed changed. And uh, the fact that, is that Portola's lead product candidate, which is Indexanet Alpha, uh, has been the application for approval has been accepted by the FDA, and an FDA decision on that drug is expected in August. And the reason that investors want to pay attention to this drug is that if approved, it will be the first uh, reversal agent or antidote for a brand new type of uh, uh, anticoagulant that's being used increasingly more every quarter. Uh, known as Factor Xa inhibitors, and these Factor Xa inhibitors uh, are basically, you know, they're 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 breaking down. I guess the market share dominance that Warfarin's had uh, in the indici- in the indications for the last 50 years. Um, and as a result, um, these drugs, um, Johnson Johnson makes one of them. Uh, Pfizer and Bristol-Myers teamed up another one, Xeralta and Eliquis are their names. They're racking up sales in the billions of dollars per year. Problem is, without an antidote in existence, if someone who's taking one of these drugs has a falling falls and has a bleeding event or requires emergency surgery, then it's a little tricky for the hospital to figure out how to stop um, them from bleeding so that they can be cared for. So that kind of sounds like a problem. lot
0: of sounds like a lot of ifs there. Like if they have an emergency surgery, how big actually is this market? Are there numbers out there?
1: Yeah, you know, Portola estimates. Of course, this is a, you know from the company, right? But they estimate that between one percent and four percent of all patients treated with Factor XAs um, suffer some sort of event that or hospitalization that you know may benefit from the use of their drug. They they peg that number to at about a hundred thousand people per year. Um, and you know we have no idea what whether the FDA will approve this drug. I think that they will, but we don't know that, uh, and we don't know how Portola would price it. Um, but you know, even if you throw a, a price tag on there of ten thousand dollars, you're talking about a billion dollar a year drug. So you know, maybe maybe what you say is okay. This is probably going to bring in at least hundreds of millions of dollars a year in a, in you know in sales for this company. I mean, it's that's guesswork, but you know, as close probably as we can get at this point.
0: So, the huge question left on my mind then this is a $1.6 billion market cap company. They potentially have a blockbuster drug that's already through phase three trials. It's awaiting approval. It looks by all means like it's going to get approved. And it has all of these big pharma companies interested in it. Why has it not been bought yet? Is this a buyout candidate?
1: I I think, you know, listen, any kind of you can't invest based on M&A. You and I have talked about this over and over and over again. It's, it's just a it's a fool's errand to try and, and you know, uh, try and seek out companies that you can buy ahead of somebody else acquiring them. Honestly, now, I we, don't
0: think I would want them to get bought out.
1: Yeah. And I don't think they want to get bought out either. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, you look at Johnson & Johnson and Pfizer and Bristol Myers, they've supplied money to fund the research into this antidote. Uh, you can't. I have a hard time believing that you know someone along the way didn't say, "Hey, you know, how about if we team up?" Um, you know, in, in last month, um, Bristol Myers and Pfizer did license rights to the drug uh, in Japan in a deal that's worth about 90000000 million-plus royalties. So that gives you some idea of, of the level of interest from the big pharmaceutical companies in this company. Uh, yeah, I think that there's a good opportunity here for investors. Obviously, there's the risk that this drug doesn't get passed uh, and approved. Um, I, but I think that for people who are willing to take on that chance, uh, yeah, th- this is a, this is a company that I think the business makes sense to own.
0: Yeah, and they actually aren't just a one drug company too. And we won't dive into that because we only have so much time on the episode. But definitely check out this company if you are looking for a smaller sized healthcare company. I, mean, I think both of us are pretty bullish on it. And of course, you know you have your normal caveats and. I am required to tell you that, as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that we talk about. The Molly Fool could have formal recommendations for or against them. So, as always, don't buy or sell based solely on what you're hearing. But check out fool.com. We have a good bit of coverage. I know, Todd, you've written plenty of articles on Portola. Um, it's it's intriguing. It's an interesting story. and It's kind of a fun one to explain, too. It's like, oh, well, they're making a drug that undoes the work of other drugs, you know?
1: Yeah, um, and, and yes, I absolutely um, would encourage all the listeners, viewers to go out. You can go right to the full website and search um, under the ticker in the top right hand corner, and, and those articles pop right up.
0: Yeah, PTLA is the ticker if you're curious. Many thanks, Todd, for the diversity of knowledge you shared with us today. And, folks listening, thanks for tuning in full on.